This morning's scripture is from Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord for us. What a joy it is to gather together in this place. Sunday is my favorite day of the week. (laughs) And uh, I always look forward to time spent together. And so I'm just thrilled that you've come, that you've chosen to join with us in worship. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. I just think that there's something amazing when followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, gather and open God's word. There's something amazing that happens as we come to this place and come to the scriptures together. There's something simple, and yet there's something really powerful about that. And I just want to state that for us this morning, that... It's not anything we dream up or conjure up or fabricate. We come simply and humbly and open the Word of God. And so uh, I'm just grateful. And and again, it's my my favorite time of the week, uh, and I very much enjoy uh, being with you all and studying God's Word uh, regularly and every week. I wanted to begin this morning with a quote. It's a theological quote, and it's from a Scottish theologian, and his name is George MacDonald. Now, I'm not sure if that name rings a bell for you, George MacDonald. Uh, the name C.S. Lewis probably rings a bell, and the two are, are normally linked together because uh, Lewis credits MacDonald as the guy who pulled him out of atheism. So anyway, here's the quote. God does not save us from injustice. He saves us from being unjust. <laughs> we could wrestle with that for a really, really long time this morning. Like, like like God doesn't, so God doesn't save us from injustice. He doesn't save us always from bad things that happen to us. Uh, people take advantage of us. We experience pain. God doesn't always spare us or save us those things. What does God save us from? McDonald says in this quote, from being unjust. He saves me from taking advantage of others. He saves me from hurting others, from exploiting others. There is this simple and yet very profound truth that when Jesus gets a hold of your life, he changes it. And and that is at the heart. Just want to make sure everyone was awake this morning. So, okay, check. (laughs) I'm definitely awake. Um, That is at the heart of the good news of Jesus, is that when he gets a hold of your life, he changes it. And so he saves us 
not from injustice, from, but from being unjust. The reason that I brought that quote that I thought of that this week is because of the story of Zacchaeus. That's what happens to him, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bible with you, let's open up together. Luke chapter 19, this was the last planned sermon in the uh, summer sermon series in the Gospel of Luke, but I was asked to speak next weekend at our community service, so we'll get a bonus. <laughs> we'll get a bonus Luke uh, sermon next Sunday as well, but that will be the final one, uh, of course, for our summer series. So, uh, Zacchaeus, you guys have heard this story. You heard it in Sunday school. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? We, so we've heard this story. He is a, a, a man who's in Jericho. Jesus goes to Jericho, and the little man climbs a tree. And Jesus goes to where the man is in the tree, and he calls him down, and he says he's going to go to his house, and they spend time together, and the encounter changes Zacchaeus. It changes him because he decides he's going to give away half of his money. And anyone that he has wronged, cheated, done wrong, he says he's going to pay back fourfold, four times the amount. It says in the story, and Renee read it for us a few moments ago, that that he wanted to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus thought he was the one seeking. (laughs) He thought, I'm the one seeking and I'm going to seek Jesus. Jesus, but it turns out that he wasn't the one seeking. Jesus was the one seeking. And he was seeking after Zacchaeus because he says he came to seek and save the lost. Before we go any further, and we're going to just really hone in on this, this story this morning, but before we go any further, I just want to point out that Jesus and this encounter where he seeks out Zacchaeus, the short man who was in the tree, is a picture, a beautiful picture of Christ pursuing each and every one of us. It is a beautiful picture of Jesus and how he seeks us. Of course, it's not just seek, right? That, verse 10, the end, the end of this, it's to seek and what? <laughs> and there's the really good news, right? It's to seek and to save. So in this story of Zacchaeus, this tax collector, he is a despicable sinner. He encounters Christ and he experiences salvation. Salvation, Jesus says in verse 9, has come to this house. By the grace of God, through faith in Jesus. Same as it works for you and I today. And here's what I love about, so, so here in the first five minutes, we basically just walked through. That's the story of Zacchaeus. He, uh, he thought he was seeking Jesus, but Jesus was really seeking him. Salvation comes to his house. What good news. That we, we can experience, just, it's a picture of Jesus seeking each and every one of us. And just as Zacchaeus experienced, because of the grace of God, through faith, we also can be saved. This is what I love about the gospel. It is so simple. <laughs> The, the, the children who are with us today understand that story and that message. It is so simple that, that it's a classic Sunday school story. We have the song that we sing, and, they under, and we understand. There was a wee man who climbed a tree, and Jesus called him down and said, let's go get lunch. And yet, this is what I love about the gospel. It is so simple a child can understand it, and yet so deep and profound and mysterious that theologians, and really all of us, any follower of Jesus, can spend a lifetime plumbing its depths, exploring and learning and growing and grappling with the good news 
of a God who forgives and redeems and restores, who sent his one and only son, why? To seek and save the lost. And so it is with the story of Zacchaeus. So we're going to get into it this morning. Jesus searches him out, calls to him, dines with him, and offers him the free gift of salvation. So let's go to the beginning of the story, verse 1. So we're in Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho. He was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, we know about tax collectors. We've talked about them just recently, this summer and even last week. Remember, we, we saw the prayer of the, the tax collector, God have mercy on me, a sinner. We know about tax collectors. They're, they are dirty, rotten scoundrels. They're cheats. The worst ones were the ones that were Jewish. Not all of them were Jewish. Some of them were, were Roman citizens. But the worst ones were the ones that were Jewish in their ethnicity and in their citizenship because they were betraying their own people because they were working for the oppressive Roman Empire. And so what they did was they charged whatever amount they wanted. As long as Rome got its cut, then they could keep the rest. And so, again, they're, they're lying, cheating, good-for-nothing, low-down scoundrels. They were despised. In the scripture, you see uh, tax collector, it's synonymous with sinner. Sinners, tax collectors, you know, the people that, the people that are despised and wicked. But did you notice there, in those first couple of verses, the description we have, Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector, was he? What was he? Thank you, Elijah. He was a chief tax collector. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The taxes that were levied by the Roman government were many, and they were varied. So there's a poll tax. That's for every male age 14 and above. That's also for every female age 12 and above. There is uh, land tax. There's a tax when you import. There's a tax when you export. There are taxes on transportation. Think of it as tolls. So roads, bridges, thoroughfares, you're paying taxes as you travel on those things. And there was a marketplace tax. So think sales tax today. They had all of these different taxes that they were pursuing. So really it required a team of tax collectors. A team of people, maybe each with an area of jurisdiction. The chief tax collector, you might think, oh, well, he's just the guy who, he worked his way through the ranks, he got the promotions, and reached that point. No. The chief tax collector was essentially a position that you could purchase. So a wealthy person, you're already rich, you're already filthy, stinking rich, you can essentially purchase or bribe your way in to say, I'll be the chief tax collector. It's a way for the rich to get even richer. So then he hires or oversees the team of tax collectors who are all taking, you know, taking the taxes, taking whatever they want, taking their cut. And then he gets a cut, and then he passes it on, of course, they pass it on to the Roman government. And so it says very clear that he was a wealthy man. So we can't miss, we can't miss this. He's the chief tax collector in this region and he's wealthy. So he would have been the most hated guy in town. He's despised. He is a traitor. He is doing business with these, these enemy Roman occupiers. He's taking advantage of his own people. He is exploiting them. Verse 3. 
he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So he's short. He can't see over the crowd. What most people would do would be push their way to the front of the crowd. You think, what? I mean, didn't this guy have a big ego or something? Wouldn't he just say, like, get out of the way. I'm going to the front. Well, my guess is the crowd is full of the people that he cheated. (laughs) These are the very people who despise him, who hate him. And he thinks, I better not go just wading through this crowd lest they turn into an angry mob. They recognize me and go, wait a minute, that's the chief tax collector. Let's get him. So he, he doesn't want to brave the crowd. He doesn't want to just uh, be noticed and seen. He doesn't just push his way to the front. So he thinks, I'll run ahead of them. So he, he travels. Now, we actually know that at this point, they were probably outside the city. It says Jesus was passing through. These sycamore fig trees were so, grew to be so large that they had ordinances that they couldn't be within a certain uh, amount of space of closeness to the cities themselves. Anyway, so he runs ahead and he climbs up in the tree. He doesn't want to be spotted. He doesn't want to be called out for his wicked ways. He certainly doesn't want an angry mob on his hands. He thought, this is a way I can see Jesus, not be seen by the crowds, but his plan didn't work. Now, it doesn't say in the text that the crowds spotted him. It says that Jesus called out to him, but it's interesting because it says Jesus called him by name, saying Zacchaeus. And I wonder, how did Jesus know his name? Yes, he's omniscient. Maybe he just knew because he's Jesus. But I'm speculating that maybe the crowd spotted him before Jesus did and started calling out to him. Hey, wait a minute. That dirty rat, Zacchaeus, is up in a tree (laughs) like a raccoon, and the hounds are on him. Maybe they circle around the tree and they start jeering him. Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, you snake. Zacchaeus, oh, just wait until we get our hands on you. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Now here's where, again, if, if... If this did indeed happen the way we're speculating, the crowd had spotted him before Jesus and they'd rally around the tree. I mean, they're really riled up at this point. Jesus just ordered him, come down out of that tree immediately. They're going, woo, we're going to get him. Jesus is going to give him a a Messiah-sized whooping. He just told him he's got to come out of the tree. But Jesus always has this way of flipping the script. He, he does what people are not expecting. And so, yes, he says to him, come down out of that tree, come down immediately. But he didn't call him down to chastise him or to punish him or to hand him over to the angry mob. So let's keep going there. He says, I must stay at your house today. Huh? <laughs> what? Why are you going to go to his house? It says, verse 6 then, so he came down, that is Zacchaeus, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, a joyous connection with Christ. And verse 7, no wonder here then, verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They're going, does Jesus not know what a crook this guy is? 
They're going, does he not know how much we're suffering at the hands of this guy who's our chief tax collector? Like, why didn't he condemn him for his wrongs? We had him treed like a coon. Jesus calls him down. Like, we've got the tar and feather ready. Why didn't Jesus condemn him? Put him in stocks. Call for a flogging. He does the exact opposite. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. And we have to understand, in their culture, to break bread with someone, to go into someone's house as a guest, would have been to dignify that person. It would have been a source of honor. And in their culture, honor was one of the biggies. So Jesus has chosen to honor this man. Furthermore, I want to nerd out a little bit here by looking closely at what Jesus says to him. When he says, I must stay, if you're comfortable highlighting or underlining in your Bible, do so with that word, stay. He didn't say, I'm going to stop by. He didn't say, uh, I'm going to just grab a quick bite and then be on my way. He, he, he uses this Greek word that means to dwell. Or depending on what English translation you use, other places in scripture to abide. Uh, like John 15. Abide in me and I will abide in you. It's the same Greek word. I'll give you the Greek word. Uh, this is helpful for us here. It's meno. <laughs> yeah. The Greek word meno, it, it means to, to dwell or abide. Most of the time, that's how it is, it is translated. Literally, meno is translated as to tarry or linger, as in to be comfortable in the presence of another. To be comfortable. You know, like when, when it's a stranger, when it's an uncomfortable situation, you want to get in, you want to get out. When it's someone that you know, that you have a connection with, there's a relationship there, it's you can tarry. You, you're comfortable. And so th- this is what Jesus says to him. He says, I must stay. I must meno, abide, connect, be comfortable, tarry, linger. Why? Because Jesus wants to build a relationship with Zacchaeus. This was not a, we need food and we want to go to your place to eat. This was, I want a relationship with you. I must abide with you, stay with you. Jesus wanted to see where he lived. He wanted to recline at his table. He wanted to break bread with Zacchaeus. Oh, this is so good. The heart of God is to be in relationship with people. We see that in this story. Again, it's a story so simple that children in Sunday school can understand it. And yet it is so deep and profound that we can spend a lifetime trying to understand it and plumb its depths. God wants to be in relationship with people. When Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house to abide and to stay and to linger. He's saying it's because God's heart toward humanity is for relationship, for knowing. You know, sometimes I think that we are more comfortable with Jesus in the church than we are with Jesus in our homes. We we try to compartmentalize our lives into this is space for me and that space for Jesus. This is where I worship God. This is where I do my thing. This is where I study. This is where I play sports. And Jesus says he wants relationship in all those spheres. And so what does Zacchaeus do when Jesus says, you, 
chief tax collector. I want to go to your place. He doesn't say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You are pure. You are righteous. You are blameless. You are a holy man. You are a prophet. You cannot come into my house. Let me just tell you, my house is very richly and finely adorned, but it's adorned and covered with corruption. Like, like every day when Zacchaeus looks at his nice things and all of the fine and fancy things that he enjoys, he knows that he has done wrong. He knows that he has gathered and collected those things, that he's enjoying those luxuries at the sacrifice of others that he has exploited. But he doesn't, say, he doesn't turn Jesus away. He doesn't say, you can't come to my house. Zacchaeus, as we saw in verse 3, Zacchaeus wanted to see How's it worded there? Um, He wanted to see who Jesus was. And so he gladly accepts the offer. He comes down out of the tree. And what I want to do with the rest of our time is just, what can we learn from this? The first is that Jesus desires us. I mentioned it a little bit ago, but but Zacchaeus thought he was the one searching. (laughs) It turns out Jesus was the one that was on the lookout. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He desires a relationship within us. That even when we go back to creation and the beginning of God thinking up and inventing and breathing life into humans, it says that we were created in the image of God. We were designed for a connection with our maker been said that there is a God-shaped hole in every, inside every one of us. We will never be whole. We will never be complete until we meno, abide, dwell, are comfortable with, linger and tarry in relationship with Christ. Even when we've betrayed others, right? So that's the good news from this story that applies to us as well. Even when we've exploited and mistreated others, we've gotten rich off of of mistreating others. Even when greed has taken a hold of us. Even when we're up that tree with the angry mob gathering at the bottom, (laughs) wanting to get their hands on us, wanting to pounce. Even when we've wandered so far that we're lost, we think we might never be found. The Lord seeks us just as he did with Zacchaeus calls us by name wants to abide with us well here's what the scripture says he stands at the door and knocks revelation 3:20 here i am jesus says i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i'll come in and eat with that person and they with me he desires a relationship with us, the God of the universe welcomes you into his forever family, no matter how despised you are. He didn't call for a flogging for Zacchaeus, even though he deserved it, <laughs> even though that would have made a lot of people happy to see him get his. Jesus welcomed him into his family, just as he does for each and every one of us. No matter how despised you are, no matter what secrets you hold that you think no one else knows, he knows, he sees, and yet he still opens wide his arms seeking after you. He loves you just the same. 
And so when we respond in faith to this invitation from Christ and begin to walk in loving relationship with him, things will not stay the same. And that's what we see happens to Zacchaeus. So let's, let's keep reading. We're in Luke chapter 19. Uh, let's go to verse 8. Uh, I will say there does seem to be a break between verse 7 and verse 8. In other words, I believe that between verse 7 and verse 8 is when they travel to his house, they enjoy the meal, because at the beginning of verse 8 when it says he stood up, that really, I think, indicates they had finished the meal and he's standing up from the meal because they reclined at the the meal. So uh, so verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And verse 9, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's changed. He's going to make restitution and not just pay back what he stole. He's going to pay back four times the amount of those he has robbed, those he has harmed. Any injustice he has committed, he wants to do everything in his power to, be, to make it right. And so we see the, the second point that we can learn from this, that the outcome of time spent with Christ is that Jesus changes us. He seeks us. And when we respond in faith and walk in loving relationship, he changes us. <laughs> There's just no way around it. <laughs> Being with the Lord changes you. Like think of Moses. <laughs> he had a radioactive face. When he came down off the mountain, he had spent time with God. His, he, he didn't realize, he didn't even realize, like, guys, uh, where is everybody? They're running, they're screaming, they're like, ah, they can't stand to see his face, it's blinding them. He doesn't even realize it. Where is everybody? I wanted to tell him about the, I got the, I got the tablets of stone. Like, his face is glowing because he had been with Christ. It's, it's this amazing scene of a, a, a person being changed. Why? Because we've been in the presence of God. God saves Zacchaeus from being unjust. So if greed was the thing that was keeping him from Christ, then generosity is going to be one of the keys to him being set free. And Jesus says very clearly, salvation has come to his house. He says he is a son of Abraham. You guys remember Abraham. In fact, we just did a a series on the life of Abraham this year. Abraham is the father of faith. He believed God even when it didn't make sense. And the stories and the teaching about Abraham aren't just relegated to the Old Testament. There's a lot of New Testament teaching on Abraham as well. So uh, in the book of James, the author there says that Abraham is an example of the fact that faith without works is dead. Right? And we know that's kind of one of the motifs of of James. So he uses Abraham as an example of that. Uh, He was ready to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. Remember the binding of Isaac. So uh, he's a great example of faith without works is dead. Paul also talks a lot about Abraham, like, but almost in a reverse kind of way. Uh, so in Romans chapter 4, he points to Abraham. Abraham has proof that justification is apart from works. <laughs> and I think of the story of Zacchaeus as being the perfect blending of these two. So, so Jesus says he's a son of Abraham. We see this almost perfect blending. Like, like for just as Abraham believed God, so did Zacchaeus. He believed. And just as Abraham willingly offered to sacrifice his son, so Zacchaeus, what does he do here? He willingly offers to sacrifice his riches. And this change we see 
immediate, drastic change in the life of Zacchaeus is this powerful reminder that when Jesus is master and Lord of your life, worldly things are no longer the most important things. He frees us from the clutches of the temporal and the visible and the worldly. He came to seek and save the lost. But not everyone who's lost realizes it. <laughs> there's a bizarre story from about 10 years ago. Uh, there's a sightseeing tour in Iceland, and it lost one of its tourists, sightseers. One person had disappeared. And so they call the police in a panic. Like, we have a tourist who has wandered away. We're, there's a missing person. So, so it's all, all, you know, all hands on deck. The police come. The authorities come. Uh, again, this was in Iceland. Uh, they're looking for this uh, sightseer. Hours and hours and hours they're searching. They cannot find the individual until 3 a.m. They discover the person. And the person was in the search party. <laughs> the person didn't realize that they were the one missing. The person, even though they read the description of the person they were looking for, didn't realize it was them that they were looking for. <laughs> and at 3 a.m., apparently, it dawned on the individual. Is it me? And what had happened, according to the, the, the report that I read, uh, they changed their outfit. <laughs> but at 3 a.m., it dawned on them, boy, this... This, is, this isn't me, is it? And it's like, yes, it's you. We didn't recognize you. you he, uh, the, the individual left the group to do something and had changed clothes and came back. When the, the person came back, the group didn't recognize. And so he, the, the, the individual that was missing was actually searching for the lost person, not knowing it was them. <laughs> How many people are lost and don't realize it? But praise God. Praise God that according to his master plan of salvation, he has made a way. That he sent Jesus to seek those that are lost. That we can walk in loving relationship with God our creator. That even though we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it is possible to trust in him, to grow in him, and he has a way of transforming us. And so what else can we learn from this? We learn that Jesus, uh, he, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Is there water in there? Is it gone? <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, sweetie. So we have talked about how Jesus seeks us. Jesus changes, or rather, he desires us. He changes us. What else can we learn that Jesus seeks us? This is what verse 10 tells us very clearly, that he came to seek and save the lost. He didn't go to Jericho just to grumble alongside the townspeople about how rotten their chief tax collector was. Like, that wasn't why he went to Jericho. He, he wasn't there to just come alongside those religious people, those Pharisees and others, to pat them on the back and say, hey, you guys are doing pretty well. Hey, compared to him, I mean, you guys fast twice a week. You give a tenth of all you get. Like, that's not why Jesus was there. 
He was there seeking the lost. He was there with this message that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Even a tax collector? Yeah. What about the chief tax collector? Yes. It reminds me of a verse in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. This says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And remember from Luke 15 that Jesus is like a good shepherd who goes after the lost sheep. He pursues, he seeks, he, he, he drops everything else to say, I'm going to go after this one and I'm not going to stop until I find them. He makes it clear here in Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, that that is what he's all about. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the heart of God, my friends. It is to rescue those who are mired in sin. Those who are lost, those who are helpless, scattered like sheep without a shepherd, pitiful and powerless. Hear this from Ezekiel 34. He says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the scattered. I will bind up the broken. I will strengthen the sick. And I think when we're caught up in sin, when we, when we recognize and realize our own shortcomings and faults, like we sometimes think of God as this, this mean, angry, punitive figure who's watching over us, ready to strike us down, ready to smite us. He's just going to punish us. He's just going to make us pay. He's going to make us squirm. Look at the story of Zacchaeus. When Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down right now. What's he thinking? I'm done. I'm in for it now. People are mad at me because of all the wrong I've done. Every day, I look at my fine and fancy things and I hate myself. But when he comes down the tree, Jesus says, I want to abide with you. I want to recline at your table. I want to break bread with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to have a relationship with you because I love you. Oh. Uh, you know what Romans 2.4 tells us? It says that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. This is the heart of God. He is not angry and ready to smite us for our sin. He is a holy God and sin cannot be in his presence. But he is a loving God. He is slow to anger. And abounding in love, he is gracious and compassionate. This is our God. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. He sat at the table with the chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus is this beautiful picture of how Jesus seeks and pursues each and every one of us. And a life transformed. He will never be the same. So hear this good news today. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And rejoice 
as you hear him proclaim over you, over your household, today salvation has come to this house. He desires a relationship with you. He will change your life. He will transform you even more into his likeness. He will seek you no matter how far you've strayed. Praise God. And so we entrust ourselves to him with grateful hearts that we are his. Let's pray together. Thank you, O God, for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the joy and the honor of opening your word together in community to hear, to read, to wonder, and to then walk in full obedience. Lord, I pray that as we encounter you through your word today, you would transform us. I pray that in doing that, Lord, you would be the one who gets the honor and the glory. And so we thank you for the wee man, Zacchaeus. (laughs) A life changed. But more than that, we thank you for Jesus, who came seeking, because he saves those who are lost. So Lord, may we be found by you today. And may we be found in you today, growing, thriving. So thank you, God. Help us, heal us, and guide us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.